If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Then Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other platforms. You also can make money for your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Podcast is episode 59. Um, I got a little treat for you today. Now, again, don't be too alarmed, people. We're gonna talk about NASCAR, but wait, wait, it's gonna be fun because we're going to get a little educational sport here. And my guest today to kind of give us a little primer on the sport, well, to quote a great American poet, uh, his name is Pusha T. If you know, you know, but he goes by a few names. Um if you know him on Twitter, it's Django Nerd, so we'll get all of his socials for you. Um, if you really know him on socials, it's hashtag Beer God, that's G-A-W-D. But today, we're going to call him Drew. Drew, how you doing? Welcome to Sports Writing Podcast, sir. How you been? Oh, my God. What, what, what an introduction. This is great. I am, I am great. I am so excited for this. Um, thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, man, let's, uh, I guess, hashtag NASCAR guy. <laughs> <laughs> love it i love it i love the energy I, i'm this is gonna be great um before we get to that before we start talking about nascar and getting all into the particulars of that um you are one i forgot to mention you are one third of the divers and haircuts podcast want to tell the folks about the podcast i'm sure there are folks who have never heard your podcast why don't you let them know a little bit about the show all right. So, yeah. So uh, I am one third of the diapers and uh, diapers and haircuts crew. Um, our podcast comes out uh, every Mondays about 4 a.m. Um, we kind of run our season like a NASCAR season. So we go from uh, February to November um, and then we save the holidays just so we can be with our families and stuff like that. Uh, we post every week and we try to be as consistent as we possibly can. The show is pretty much um, all the way around barbershop talk for the 80s and 90s babies. Um, we are pretty much three brothers, uh, Big Los, Marcel, and myself. Um, we're all friends from high school and college and things like that. Um, we're trying to live this thing called life, the American dream, and everything in it is uh, three black men. Um, anything from careers, jobs, uh, family, marriage, kids, all that stage in our life, we're, we're just putting it on a hot mic and going with it from there. Um, we do a, a couple reoccurring segments and stuff like that. We do top fives. Um, we do something along the lines of grind our gears, things that makes us mad as turning into angry old men, that kind of stuff. And then, um, 
one thing that we always do is a craft beer cigar of the week. Um, I am a big fan of craft beer. Um, you was in the business for a good while. And then also I'm a very good, uh, um, I'm, I'm a big fan of cigars as well too. So that's something that we always want to do. Um, our show is very black. So just want to put that out there. Um, <laughs> but we want to make sure that we educate as well too, because this is a realm um, of employment and stuff like that, that people can, can get into. So, but yeah, so that's our show. Keep it short and sweet. Um, DNH podcast on all social media, uh, handles as well too. So. And we'll make sure we'll have all the information in the show notes. So, you know, you guys definitely need to check them out, you know, shout out to the other two thirds of the show, big lows. Um, so Marcel, it's funny. I think, uh, either it was the, I think it was the first episode of your current season and you guys were picking on him about, you know, his, his name, I am the real Marcel. And I laugh because I'm thinking, there are a lot of Marcells out there who are going to have a problem with that. <laughs> My cousin in particular. But oh, no, there, okay. Small, small world on Marcells. I'll, I'll be exactly. Sure My Marcel, no. Exactly. exactly. It's all good, though, man. But, yeah, shout out to them, man. Uh, again, if you guys have not listened to the show, uh, it, it, it's a fun show. I, I personally love the uh, the uh, beer and cigar of the week. That's one of my favorite segments, and and also you guys were doing best worst uh, best first worst worst. worst. Yep. Yep. <laughs> that that was interesting because a lot of times in my head I'm listening to y'all going, I don't know, guys. I, I kind of like that verse, you know? yeah. <laughs> so that sort of thing. It's, it's weird, man. It's just a big conglomerate of everybody's opinion coming in in the one. It's like all of our tastes are different. So yeah, for sure. Excellent. Excellent. Well, we'll definitely let everyone know about the show. Um, so let, let's get into what we're going to get into here. So let me ask you just some questions for you. So let's start at the beginning. When did you first start liking NASCAR? Like, I mean, you know, I yeah, go with that. <laughs> so for me, um, as a young kid, right? Um, I was kind of bred on the sport. Uh, my mom's side of the family is from Birmingham, Alabama. So to be, to put it out there, I'm a diehard Cowboys fan. And second to that, it's NASCAR. Um, I remember growing up as a kid um, with my grandmother, she would flip the channel between the Cowboys game and the NASCAR race, you know, and um, we would sit down and watch it religiously. It was just something that would happen every Sunday. Um, and, you know, me growing up, it's kind of been like family tradition, heritage, whatever it is that you want to call it. And um, it's just something that I've always kept, kept with. I've kept it underneath my belt. I've been a quiet NASCAR fan. I've been an, an obnoxious NASCAR fan. I'm all of the above, but um, I'm very prideful behind the sport. And um, it's it's something that, that's just fun for me. So like for those who after the Super Bowl, they're like, hey, you know, what are, what are we going to watch? Like there's no sports. There's nothing going on, you know, because everybody, if, if you're watching the NBA, you kind of wait until closer to the playoffs and stuff like that or after All-Star break. Um, for me, I'm like after the Super Bowl, well, next weekend is the Daytona 500, so I got something to watch. So for me, right. to answer your question, yes, um, very young age, um, just bred by, by family. Excellent. So you started as a, as, as a young man. So who were your favorite drivers, you know, kind of through the years that you've been watching the sport? Got you. So, of course, um, Dale Earnhardt Sr., you know, is the creme de la creme, the intimidator, number three. He is essentially the Jordan of the sport, right? Um, but, you know, you kind of grow up with generational drivers. And for me, it was always Jeff Gordon. Um, Jeff Gordon was the first beacon of diversity for the sport because the sport was, you know, all the drivers were, you know, 
Southern draw, rednecks, whatever it is that you want to call it. But um, you had this California kid coming in, pronouncing his E's and R's, no Southern draw. He was different from the actual norm. And then um, he was sponsored by DuPont Paint and he had a rainbow color on his car. And, you know, the Southerners or the old whites, if, if you want to call it that way, they didn't take too keen to that, you know. Um, they, they used to call them the Rainbow Warriors. And for, for me, he just always resonated to me because he was young, he was different, he was quote unquote the outcast, but he was winning. And either you liked him or you didn't. So, um, and, I, and I was going to say that because it seems as if there was a great divide for what I remember. Like I said, I would follow some, a lot of the things happening. There was a great divide in the sport between, you know, like I said, there are folks who really liked him. Mm -hmm. And probably because, you know, young guy, he could drive, was winning. And then, of course, the fact that he was an outsider, you know. Yeah, it, it got to the point like during 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 those years, um, it was kind of a passing of the torch from Dale Earnhardt Sr. to Jeff Gordon. Um, they were bitter rivals back during the day when Dale Sr. was still alive. But they were also great business partners off the racetrack. They understood that there was a rivalry and that they could sell memorabilia. They could sell merch. They could make a dollar off of their, off of their, their rivalry. Um, but yeah, um, Dale Earnhardt Sr. won seven championships. Uh, Jeff Gordon won five, you know. Um, but at that time, Jeff Gordon was, was, he was the man and was like, well, Dag, this young strapping kid is now taking the reins from, you know, the good old boy Dale Sr. What are we going to do? And he actually took the sport and kind of transcended it as well too. made it more marketable um, at the time being able to, you know, go on Regis and Kelly as a Daytona 500 winner, stuff like that. Um, open the sport up to a whole new world. When the sport goes out West to the California tracks, ratings go down low, but since he's a hometown hero, you know, ratings kind of stay the same. So he was very good for the sport during his early years. Hmm. Yeah. It, it's, it's interesting. I, I think I kind of, for me, being an outside observer, I kind of saw a little bit of a shift because you made a good point when everything went out west. Because I'm going, you know, they go, Oh, we're gonna race at Fontana. It's like, where? Fontana, yeah. California? Yeah. You yeah. but there was those little pockets of uh fans uh in Fontana who enjoyed the sport greatly. Mm -hmm. And and like you said, uh, Gordon kind of helped to fuel that. So, um, you know, kind of getting back to Dale Earnhardt Sr., um, you know, his nickname, The Intimidator, was, I think, very apt in a lot of ways. Um, not so much, you know, his on the, on the racetrack, but um, I remember very, very, his, his trademark, wearing those gargoyle sunglasses. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. It, it put such an image in my mind because I used to sell sunglasses and there was, it just always seemed like there was a certain type of person <laughs> who bought gargoyles they just want to have a certain look or maybe they were yep. race fans and wanted yep. to buy those sunglasses because of dale senior yep um the only person who was remotely close sunglasses wise was in my opinion brett the hitman Hart <laughs> with his glasses yes. Yes. a wrestler so you know, right. either you're either you're a wrestling fan or a nascar fan and if you're both you're the same type of person that we're talking about so <laughs> you know um but yeah, so he he, he was the, the the intimidator. His biggest thing was, you know, um, I'll go win a race on Sunday and I'll come home to the farm and feed the chickens on Monday. You know, he was a very um, southerner, rural guy, um, blue collar guy, and he was very relatable to you know the southeast eastern region because a lot of people owned farms, a lot of people did hard work, and it, they didn't mind 
coming out to see someone who looked just like them and go out and win races, you know? Um, and then, you know, he had his son who also helped trend trends in the sport as well, too. Um, in my personal opinion, Dale Earnhardt Jr. He's a very good driver, but he's a one trick pony. Um, I think, I, I think if he would have raced like his father, he would have won, he would have won a championship. Um, his father was very aggressive on the racetrack when it got down to the last 10 laps, if you were in his way and that black, uh, good rich number three car was behind you, you were either going to move or be moved, you know? Um, and when junior, unfortunately, I mean, when senior, unfortunately died, junior kind of had to carry the name on and carry the sport on. And, um, and he definitely helped transcend the sport as well, too. He was a household name. Um, you know, he was marketable, all, all those things but he never really won races like that. He was really honestly only good at the super speedway. So Talladega and Daytona, because he drove just like his father, but he never wanted to be the intimidator. He never wanted to be, you know, a menace on the track. He wanted to be the person that everybody liked. And he succeeded at that, but you know, sometimes defense wins championships and he didn't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I was going to say, because I mean, again, he's somebody that I would see him in a commercial or every now and then I would see him on a a talk show and I'd listen to him. I'm like, how he, I'd have a beer with this guy. Now his dad, you know, God rest his soul. That guy scared the hell out of me. (laughs) Let's keep it real. He was scary. He was a scary guy. There were stories like coming when it came to junior, like he was saying like, you know, his dad was very, very hard on his kids, you know? And like, that's, that's any dad, you know, like, you know, they, they want their, their kids to be be better than them and everything like that. But like he was also very competitive to junior on the track as well, too. So as much as he was pushing his son, he didn't want his son to beat him neither. So it was it was kind of that, that, that catch 22. But um, they said, like, he would give you the shirt off of his back, you know, and, and everything like that. So he definitely had that southerner demeanor where it's like he's not approachable. But once when you got to know him or if he earned your, your respect, you know, he'd do anything in the world for you. And um. Uh, you know, it's very cool that his tradition carries on in the sport. Every third lap that's, no, well, the third lap that is passed for each race, um, all the fans, everybody in the stands, they throw up the number three, you know, in remembrance of, of Dale Sr. and um, and go from there. Um, another thing with the sport is that they don't retire numbers. So, you know, how some, um, some of your favorite players, they get their jerseys, numbers retired and stuff like that. And NASCAR, the, the three car is still on the track. Mm-hmm. You know, wow. I, I'm uh, surprised considering how much of an impact that Dale Sr. had on the sport. You would think, hey, you know, let's suspend the rules. Let's, you know, number three will hang in the rafters mm-hmm. forever. You know, kind of like with baseball, you know, right. many teams have have uh, retired what uh, Jack Robinson's number, you know, 42 yep. is not warm only on Jack mm-hmm. Robinson Day. You know, wow, that's interesting. I didn't know Ring that. Ring of honor, think things along that nature. Um, but no, so when it comes to the sport of NASCAR, when you come to the team, um, the team has an owner and the owner owns the rights to the number. Um, and, you know, race teams are either three to four cars, depending on how, how much money you got and all that stuff. And um, the owner of the three car is a guy named Richard Childress. And he owned the three car when Dell Sr. Was, was running and everything. Um, and he, some owners their numbers away, bring them back at a, a later time. And, um, his grandson, Austin Dillon, was coming up through the ranks and he was actually driving a number three car in the lower tier ranks. And when he got to, to the to the cup level, um, it was a big thing because like the three car was coming back and everybody was asking Dell Jr. Like, what do you think about this? And he was like, 
hey, um, for me, it doesn't matter because, like, in the sport, we don't retire numbers. Um, for me, it's actually almost nostalgic to see the, the number come back and see the car come back. It'll probably never be the same paint scheme because they don't have the sponsorship of Goodwrench anymore. But, you know, at least you see the three cars still running around on the racetrack. And then to better prove my point, it go back to Richard Petty. He drives the number 43 car. That car is still on the track. Bubba Wallace was, was running it la- last year. So they just don't retire numbers. Wow. Well, that, that's, that's something I didn't know. Um, so um, who is your favorite driver now? Who, who are you really rooting for now? I am rooting for Kevin Harvick. He drives the number four car, um, usually sponsored by Jimmy John's or Bush Beer. Go figure. <laughs> um, <and laughs> two two terrible guys. things together. Awesome. I know, right? <laughs> but um, he's uh, – uh, the team is owned actually by, by uh, Tony Stewart. Um, he's a very, very good good driver. He's veteran. Uh, he's won a championship. He's won a couple of Daytona 500s. Um, he's a all around good driver. He does everything from super speedways, mile and a half, short tracks to road courses. Um, second to that, I am now rooting for, for Bubba Wallace. Um, I definitely want to see him do well. Everything that transpired last year has definitely transcended the sport for this year for everything that's, that's going on with it. Um, and he's also gotten a better ride and everything like that with Jordan coming in and sponsoring. I mean, uh, we're pretty much owning, owning his team now. Um, he is a very good, talented driver. He was just in bad equipment. And that's how some careers die. If you are in bad equipment you, and you don't win races, you get pushed off or, you know, written off in, in, into the sunset. Also, with him being black, um, NASCAR is definitely pushing him because of, because of diversity. So he's got to win a race. He, he has to. Um, I don't want to see NASCAR waste all their – dollars on him and then he's just running in the back always getting wrecked out not being marketable and things of that nature um so i kind of do want to talk a little bit about bubba wallace but we'll kind of put a pin in that and kind of come back to that in a second um kind of to the rise of bubba wallace and everything that happened last season um nascar is it appears has been doing a lot of work over a number of years to improve the diversity, not just on the track, but also in stands. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think uh, a lot of folks you know, that look like us, um, do you think they aren't interested in NASCAR due to preconceived notions, due to, um, you know, some people are just, will just be straight up like, you know, I ain't so worried about the rednecks. It's like, why well, don't want to watch a car do left turns for however many laps? I mean, what, what do you think is kind of, you know, do, do you see a shift in the, uh, the the numbers of black fans? It's it's all right. So it, it, there's a multiple ways I can answer this question. So one, um, when it comes to NASCAR, you know, how can I let me say it like this? When you're young, you play football because you got a backyard, right? When you play basketball because there's a court down the street, or you know the Y is open, whatever the case may be. Um, there's no racetracks in inner cities, <laughs> you know, there, there's okay. nothing that that's, that's nearby that would, that would actually spark that, spark that, that interest. Um, now, if you're down, like I said, in the Southeast, you have dirt tracks, all of that stuff. Um, people, if you're young enough, people go to it because it's usually like, you know, Friday night football at a high school, it's, it's just as big. Um, so one availability is definitely a thing Two, um, it's just like when you're young and you're learning, football like 
when you were a kid, you were probably sitting down with your dad and your dad taught you play by play, you know, what was going on. This is why this is going on and to kind of help spark your interest into it. I've always said to myself, I can make someone a NASCAR fan. If you devote a one race to me and give me a lap for lap, I can explain everything to you that, that that's going on. You'll understand it and then you'll probably get into it. Mm-hmm. Um, from there, there's always been black NASCAR fans. They, they're, that's just, that's just the thing. Like we, we are here. Um, I kind of like to call us rebels and nomads because like, I'm not intimidated by seeing a Confederate flag waved in my face. I'm not scared of seeing, you know, big old Johnny in his overalls with one strap undone, you know I mean? At, at the NASCAR race, if anything, I'm looking to go to him to bargain and get a beer from him. You know what I mean? Like, that's just the type of person that, that I am. Um, and, you know, once when you come showing your colors, if you root for a certain driver, other people who root for that driver look at you like a brother in arms. So, you know, that the, the skin color kind of goes, goes out the window once when, you know, people realize, you know what you're talking about. You're not just trying to be there just to be a troll because sometimes that happens. Not saying that black people do it, but there are some other people that, that do stupid stuff at, at racetracks. Um, then my next thing is if you're open-minded enough, I do employ everybody to go to a racetrack because a racetrack, I mean, a NASCAR race is, I would consider to be more fun than a baseball game. Um, going to a racetrack, going to a, whatever the race is, is BYOB. You can bring your own beer. You know, the only thing you're paying for your ticket, see, spark an interest, right? You, you, you pretty <laughs> much, um, you pay for your ticket and tickets aren't that expensive. You're probably paying no more than 50 or 60 bucks for a decent seat. Then um, the guidelines is that you have a dimension size cooler that fits underneath your seat and you can bring as much beer in your cooler or on your person as long as it's in a can. And that's it. And after that, you're just at the race, just drinking and having a good old time. And if you run run out of beer, somebody's going to give you a beer. It is what it is. Um, But to answer your question, it's definitely based on availability, actually having an interest to want to sit down and watch watch a race because people think think it's boring people think that they're only going in circles they're only doing left turns it's actually really hard to go left and when you understand the reason why it's hard to go left you'll be more intrigued by it right what well the beer thing kind of got me because (laughs) in my head i'm just like wow really and then and then of course the cost of the ticket i'm like okay that sounds crazy but i guess in my head i'm thinking of another sport where you don't see too many of us you know because i play golf and most golf courses will tell you well you know we don't like you to bring your own beer they sell beer yeah and you know my dad plays and he he plays this particular course back where i'm from and he like he had a buddy that lived off one of these courses so he played nine holes he'd make the turn going to the 10th hole he'd stop over by his buddy's house he'd pass him a couple beers through the fence (laughs) they chit chat then he'd keep on you know that sort of thing but hey that i mean that sounds awesome you know yeah um and that's that's just just the way that it goes so um what else about nasc like being at the race like they do sell beer they do sell liquor and all that stuff but it's ungodly expensive but they don't stop you at the gate if you bring your own beer. So why, why, why would you want to do that anyway? You know? Um, so how many races, have, how many tracks have you been to? Um, I've been to Charlotte multiple times because uh, I went to school in North Carolina. Um, uh-huh. 
I've been to Richmond and Darlington. I have um, dreams of going to Bristol and Delo, um, Bristol and uh, Tennessee, Virginia. I also want to go to Dover since, you know, we're here in Maryland. It's right across the way. Um, right. I've never never been been to Daytona. I do want to go. Um, I'll probably wait a couple more years for the sport to progress to go to Talladega because I've heard a lot of bad stories down there. Um, and once again, if you just go back and look at American history, Alabama is just one of those states is, is the best way to say it, you know. Um, I have a buddy who is black. He goes to Talladega every year and he tells me like, dude, you'll have nothing to worry about. It'll be fine. That's just my personal preference. Mm-hmm. But, uh, um, so kind of to that point. Um, so when the when NASCAR banned the Confederate flag, honestly, I was completely shocked. Um, and I guess maybe that's kind of just that built up thinking in my mind. So kind of give me your reaction to when that happened and then kind of linking it to, you know, this whole thing of, again, NASCAR working towards that diversity. Well, and then on the track, because that's the other big piece, getting the drivers in the seats to race to increase the diversity. Right. So um, NASCAR does have this um, system called the uh, Drive for Diversity Program. So they definitely um, give better opportunities for people of color in the lower lower tier ranks to work their way up, um, give them better training and stuff like that, just because like being a NASCAR driver you are nothing but a spokesperson for your sponsor. So being able to have camera time and practice and stuff like that will in turn get you to better rides. Um, So then going forward with that, um, with the Confederate flag being taken down, it it wasn't a shock to me because I knew with the way that society was going last year with, you know, Black Lives Matter, George Floyd, all the injustice and all that stuff, it was about time for the sport. Um, because it's always been a crutch to open up to a bigger market. Um, but when they when they issued the ban, it was the people who supported Bubba Wallace that let me know like NASCAR is for, is for real. Some old school drivers or retired drivers are kind of unwritten spokes, spokesmen or politicians for the sport to make changes or ensue change. Dale Earnhardt Jr. was a big person. Um, he was in NASCAR ownership office, offices supporting Bubba Wallace very hard. And I give him the utmost respect because he even said personally himself live, like, I can never know what Bubba Wallace go through, but I don't want to see him go through it anymore. You know what I mean? He was like, this sport, he said, I've given my all to this sport. My family's given my all to the sport. And I want to see the sport succeed and carry on. And he's like, and if Jeff Gordon could help move it to to a, to a certain push the needle a little bit. Why can't we ramp up the RPMs even more? Uh, that was a speeding pun. But, uh, you know, <laughs> um, but yeah, so when it happened, um, it was great. And then, you know, you got to see all of the current drivers also support Bubba Wallace as well, too. Um, especially like, once again, we just talk about politics and all that stuff. Seven-time champion Jimmy Johnson, who retired this year, but he was always in his corner. There were some strapping young young guns as far as drivers that are best friends with with um, with Bubba Wallace. And then in the same time with him driving Richard Petty's car, Richard Petty, who is, you know, the creme de la creme, second to um, Dell Sr., he supported his driver. You know, no questions asked. He actually came to a track in the middle of COVID. And this man's like 85, you know, so 
seeing seeing those uh, public displays of support for Bubba Wallace, I knew that the sport was actually going to move on to bigger and better things. I mean, I mean, and and and, and it's interesting how it took so many. T- Terrible things. I mean, it's crazy how, you know, we we talk about these things. We've been talking about these things for years and years and years, how, you know, there's just overt racism, systemic racism. Mm -hmm. And it took the murder of an innocent of a man who shouldn't have died. I mean, sure. okay, if he broke the law or not, it doesn't matter. He should not have died. Yeah. And it took that to get us to this point. I mean, we're glad it happened, but again, why does it have to take so much to get yeah. us to this point? That's the thing that's I think that's very frustrating in a lot of ways. But I mean, you know, we, we kind of have to take the progress in the way that we can get it, unfortunately. I mean, yeah, and that's and that's really sad to say, you know. And as as sad as it is for, for me to to like continue to answer your question, I wasn't shocked to see the Confederate flag banned. I was more shocked to see Black Lives Matter on a NASCAR hood. I would have oh, never thought, okay. I would have never thought thought to see that. Like, and once again, I applaud Bubba Wallace for doing it. He actually did it at Richmond, which is, you know, that racetrack ha- has some rumors of going around it as well, too. But like, you know, he went into the belly of the beast and and and, and he did it. And I was like, yo, this is excuse my language I'm like this is that shit like oh <laughs> it's all go. good it's all like let's go I, I am here for this and then you know for me being a nascar fan all my life and then to see this like i really got ramped up like you know i was like oh i am i am all for this like let's do this you know and if anybody that wanted to speak out any type of post on social media and stuff like that i was i was chirping i'm like nah man we, we, we ain't we ain't rocking like that now you know um so I'll let you continue on. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Please, please continue. No, 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 no. It's, it's great. I mean, again, like I said, I, th- th- these are the kinds of things that, you know, for me, I, I like hearing this because, again, you know, for me, it's I have a you know, I have a, a, a friend of mine, a very dear friend. He's no longer with us. But years ago, he got me into IndyCar. Mm-hmm. And I never watched. I barely watched any racing. I may have watched a little race here and there when I was a kid. And he, you know, he was from uh, Central Virginia, so a little south towards the uh, North Carolina line. Mm -hmm. And he goes, man, listen, he goes, look, I ain't trying to watch no NASCAR. He goes, I tell you, I ain't trying to watch these guys trade paint and crash and do all this stuff. He goes, now you try that crashing stuff in any car you want, you're going to meet your maker. You know, Mm -hmm. so he was really about that. And he got me into that. And but I don't know, it was just it was always that block. But to hear these things, especially nowadays considering you know the the things that have happened that that is very positive and it's positive in a lot of ways because as we said you know you want to grow the sport you want to make it marketable to everyone you want right. to generate that interest and 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 you know we all know what this means this means that money that right. that car benefits from a financial standpoint if they can make you know a large uh, swath of the population happy right. um but then the other side of this Confederate flag situation that you had a few people who were very outspoken about the band, you know, and I mm-hmm. thought that was crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man, it was crazy. Like when they, they announced the band right before the Talladega race. And I'm like, why would, and I, I was thinking to myself, like, why would they do it for the Talladega race in Alabama? Like they, they're going to do everything in their power to try to make this, 
the most, you know, annoying situation and just, just crushed the hopes of growing the sport. You know what I mean? And they banned it, but you know, the rednecks was out there and their 18 wheelers with the Confederate flag waving out outside of the track protesting. They had somebody fly um, a plane with the Confederate flag behind it. Good Lord said, I'm going to cause a lightning storm. They had to ground the plane and they locked them up. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and then um, from there, that was the same weekend that, you know, the whole new situation came about as well, too. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know if you want to talk about that now or hold on to it later when we we get in. Oh, no, 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 that's fine. We can talk about that now. I think it just kind of all flows together. Yes. I got you. So, you know, the new situation happened and it's like, it's one of those going back to that realization that, you know, racism is real, you know, and I will say this by the grace of God, it was not a hate crime. Um, NASCAR definitely treated it extremely serious um, to pretty much paint the picture um, in Bubba Wallace's uh, garage um, at the racetrack, the pull rope to close the garage door, the handle, someone Jimmy rigged the handle and tied it into what looked like a noose. And of course, the only black driver has this pull rope and um, they had investigated. Bubba Wallace did not see it. Um, he only saw the picture of it. His pit crew member saw it and they reported it and everything like that. And, you know, of course, NASCAR, it kind of got blown out of proportion before we knew all the facts. And by the time we knew all the facts, the FBI came in, they did a full investigation. Come to find out that pull rope was like that for like three years, you know. Um, But NASCAR kind of exploded it, made a mockery of it and all that stuff. But in the same instance, all the people who were for the Confederate flag was like, oh, see, Bubba Wallace is you know, full of sugar, honey, iced tea and this, that, and the third. And it's like, mm-hmm. actually, no, it was just that, you know, the media blew it out of proportion because at that time, the country is in a very sensitive state when it came to race relations and anything that came out to ensue hate, it got blown out of proportion. It was just one of those things that unfortunately, Bubba Wallace was in the middle of the crosshairs. Um, but still the sport banded together. They supported Bubba Wallace. They ran the race. He almost won that race. It was great. And it was at that time that, you know, there's a lot of black fans in the stand and he went to went up to go greet him. Um, and it, it was such a beautiful thing just to see the sport come together, support Bubba Wallace. And then once again, they try to just move past it as, as fast as they could. But um, yeah, man, that uh, that whole Confederate flag thing was, was a big thing. <laughs> well, like I said, I'm glad that they have moved past it, you know, and uh, again, kind of on to a new era. So once it happened, and after I got over my initial shock, I'm going, well, we, we finally come full circle that NASCAR mm-hmm. is really, you know, not, not to say I ever thought they were not serious about diversity, but it's mm-hmm. like, okay, this is real. Mm-hmm. They are on it. They are about it. And we're about to push into a new day. And for me, I thought that was just a great, a great thing for them to do. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about Bubba Wallace. Um, Bubba, what do you think? How, how you think? How you think he's going to do this year? So, all right. So Bubba Wallace is now. So he went from racing Fords, I believe. I forgot what. No, I think it was Chevrolet. I think Richard Petty Chevrolet. He was racing Chevys, but he had lesser equipment. He's now over to Toyotas. Um, so Jordan and Denny Hamlin. Denny Hamlin is the current driver. He drives the eleven car. 
uh, sponsored by FedEx underneath uh, Joe Gibbs Racing. So Joe Gibbs, the Hall of Fame uh, Super Bowl winning coach of the Washington football team. Mm-hmm. Um, he has very good Toyota equipment. Um, primarily almost all of, all of Joe, Joe Gibbs drivers have won championships. Uh, Kyle Busch, um, also now Martin Truex Jr. Um, so he has a farming system with his equipment. So he'll sell his equipment to other teams. So, excuse me, with Denny Hamlin actually owning part share of the team, he sold his equipment. He's selling his equipment to uh, Bubba Wallace's team. And it's very good stuff. He ran very strong in in the Daytona 500. Um, he's not a good road, road course racer. So last last week he didn't do too well. That car got beat to shit. Excuse my language. But um, I my my plan for Bubba Wallace, my hopes for him, is that he wins w- one race. Um, if he wins one race, he's automatically entered into the playoffs. So that's the only thing that, that he needs to do. It'll put him on the map. It'll show that he's just not a back-of-the-pack driver, that he actually can drive, and he knows what he's doing. Um, and I, I think it will come. Uh, I will probably put my money on Talladega. Um, I don't know. They do race Daytona one more time, normally around the 4th of July. So I can see that happening again as well, too. So. We'll, we'll, if I say bet on anything, bet on, on, on the super speedways. Now, it's it's interesting. We just talked about Talladega, and that's crazy. I mean, what if he won at Talladega? Wouldn't that just be wild? I mean, talk no. about, again, talk about everything coming full circle. That would just be insane. Like, he, he placed top top 10 last year, like, with the, all that all that yin-yang going on. So, I'm like, you know, if, if he wins it in, in, in Talladega, that will be wild. It'll definitely set set the sport on fire. You know, everybody that's against it, they'll be chiming. They'll be on their keyboards, typing up all, all types of hate. But it'll, it'll definitely be worth it in the same aspect. It's so great because, you know, you have someone like Michael Jordan, whom everybody looks up to and idolizes, you know what I mean? And be like, yo, well, hell, you know, he's driving he's driving underneath greatness. So what, what can we do? And, and I was actually going to comment on that, you know, that 23, I'm just going – you're with the Jordan team and you yeah. know Mike ain't gonna attach himself mm-hmm. to anybody unless it's quality. So Mike knows what's up. And in the long run, so we're talking this year. What about long run? I mean, are we looking at a guy who with his current driving skills, with his current uh package for his car, so motor, uh chassis, all that stuff, and having Michael Jordan support? is this a guy that can potentially win a NASCAR championship sometime in the next maybe three or four years? I would probably give it that timeline. I'd probably say no, no more than five. He, he, he should be winning. And then if he's not nowhere near winning the championship or deep in the playoffs and stuff like that, then it's like, all right, we need to start making a move or he'll start becoming a free agent and probably going someplace else. But I think that with his spot, um, 23-11 is only a one-car team. They're going to look on trying to focus and grow on the team. That'll probably bring more di- more diverse drivers in as well, too. And he'll be the, the spearhead of it. And let alone whether if he doesn't win a championship, I wouldn't hold it against him as a black man because everything that he's done for the sport so far, he's already winning. You know, mm-hmm. like I, I, I am so proud to be like, yo, there's someone like me on the racetrack. Like I can actually – flip and turn on the race even though my number one i'm rooting for somebody else but if he wins i'm not mad at it you know what i mean like i'm actually proud and happy to see that 
because there's been stories like way back in the days of some other stuff. Like I said on, on our last episode, you know, the Southern 500 in Darlington, um, way back when there was a black driver that won it. And it's tradition that you would get the trophy and you kiss a white woman. And when he won, right. they didn't let him kiss the white woman. You know what I mean? Because they, they just weren't playing that. And then to the point to where we see now to where it's like we have black ownership, we have black drivers, we have black sponsorship, like, you know, the black dollars and not even black dollars, just diverse dollars. Because, you know, as much as I'm talking about Michael Jordan being an owner, Pitbull is part owner of a team now as well. I heard about that. I was like, wait a minute, because I know because uh, Brad Doherty. Brad Doherty. Was, yep. I mean, he's still an owner, right? Mm-hmm. Right. He, he's 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 had his skin in the game for a while. He's been a commentator. He's been mm-hmm. been a lot of things. And he's been like trying to be that beacon as well, too. But he's never raced. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but he has his team. His team is like mid to low tier. Um, he is partial owner, so he's not like majority owner, like how Jordan is. Um, mm-hmm. But still in the same aspect, it's still diversity. It's still working. Um, Pitbull is part owner of a team that owns a, a Mexican driver named uh, Daniel Suarez. Um, mm-hmm. he, he's a very good driver as well, too. But it's just the same aspect. It's like as much as we're talking about Bubba Wallace and, you know, us being black because we're, you know, two black men. If we look at other other races in the sport, like it's it's becoming a melting pot, you know, and. This is this is only the beginning because we got years to come because NASCAR is a farming system. They're looking at people that's driving midgets and all that stuff, looking at coming up the ranks and seeing what what, what they're doing. And they're planning. They're planning for 2025. They're planning for, you know, 2028, like forward to see, like, who's going to supersede my current driver that I have now in the top tier system. Great. Wow. So. Again, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> If you if you haven't soaked up this knowledge, I don't know what's wrong with you. This I am blown away. I have I am learning a lot. Um, so I have a few questions about just the sport itself. A lot of the, shoot, the shoot. general rules here or general idea here. Mm-hmm. So as, as I was planning out the show, I'm thinking, oh, okay, so they play for they they race for a cup, and then why in the hell was I about to write Winston Cup? I'm going, okay, see, first of all, I'm not sure how old I am, <laughs> number one. Uh-huh. Um, it's now the NASCAR Cup, I, I, I believe. So okay. the, the, the sport's gone through a couple sponsorships, right? So um, first and foremost, NASCAR is a three-tier system. Well, the, the top three tiers. So you have the Cup Series, which is the Creme de la Creme. You have the mid-tier system, which is the Xfinity Series now. And then you have the Camping World Truck Series as well. Truck series is usually very old drivers that are still looking for a ride and they, they don't want to hang it up. And then you have some young guns. Um, Xfinity series is mid tier. Think of it like, um, think of it like um, um, the D league basketball system and all that stuff. Like they're very good drivers, but they can't move up just yet. They're not, they're not ready for the next push. Um, and then when you make it up to cup, like, you know, you are somebody, whether you are driving good stuff or you aren't, um, and all three cars and or truck, um, have very different setups, very different configurations. Um, some are lighter than others. Some are easier to drive. Some aren't. And it's just, you just go go into it with, with there. Um, but to show progression of the sport, when Dale senior, um, used to drive, it was the Winston cup. It was named after cigarettes, you know, Um, the second tier system, which was the Xfinity series. It was the um, the Bush series, the beer. So beer, cigarettes, NASCAR. 
take that, right? <laughs> right. We, uh, we, we, we progress from there. Um, NASCAR, the Cup Series becomes the Nextel Cup Series. So the, the phone, the, the bloop bloops, the chirps, you know, we all had them back in the day. And then um, Nextel merged with Sprint, so it became Sprint Cup, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Then, then they got away from Sprint Cup, um, and Monster Energy took it over. And it's been that way for about like two to three years, and now they just gotten rid of the sponsorship, and now it's just a NASCAR Cup Series. The Monster, the Monster Energy Cup. Whoa! No, 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 no hold on. <laughs> Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series. Oh, Say boy. that six, six times fast. <laughs> Look. I don't even want to say it six times fast. I can only imagine when you win the cup, do they fill it with it? You got to drink that shit? I mean, you know. <laughs> no, the, the only person that has to drink it is uh, Kurt Bush because he's sponsored by it. And it's like, ugh, I, I'm sitting here driving in this hot ass car and I get out, I got to drink battery acid. What, what the hell is it? <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine his sweat could like burn through anything. Yeah, you know? man. Like, damn. But, um, uh, yeah, so uh, so I know that it's a point system. So uh, the points are based on wins. Uh, well, how how do you how do you accumulate points? So um, as the field of the race is uh, based off how many number of cars are in the race. So if you have forty three cars, um, if you come in first, you earn forty three points. Okay. You know what I'm saying if you come in second, forty two, and then going all, all the way back. Okay. The purse of winning the race is the exact same way. Um, Majority of the cut goes to the first first place winner, and then the rest trickles on down to where you place. Um, There are bonus points. You get a point for leading a lap. Um, They may have did away with with that rule because they've been changing it um, for the past three years. Um, But I know you do. um, They race in stages now. So back in the day, it used to be the Daytona 500 was straight 200 laps. There was no breaks. There was no pause. It was straight through. And pray to God, you don't got to use the bathroom. Now NASCAR trying to keep the excitement because in the middle of 200 laps, the drivers would would turn into single file racing and they would just go around, round and around in a circle, as people would say. And it would become very boring. Now it's a three-stage system. So you'll race the first stage. Whoever wins the first stage wins points. Whoever wins the second stage wins points and whoever wins the third stage wins points and ultimately gets the points of winning the race as well, too. So it creates more drama, more action, more actual real racing uh, because you're actually racing for something because these points add up throughout the course of of, of the season. So, for instance, we get to the playoffs. If you if you if you win one race, you're automatically in. If you Mm -hmm. win multiple races you get bonus points for that and that helps fill the seed of of the playoffs and then if you don't win races and you don't but you win stages you win a lot of stages stage one and stage two and a lot of races those bonus points add up at the end of the year and that can ultimately get you in the back door of the playoffs Mm -hmm. okay okay um so from what from my research i think you have 36 races total. So I think it's like 26 regular season. And then you get 10 mm-hmm. uh, races that are the championship round. Is that how mm-hmm. that kind of sets up? Okay. Yep. Um, now here's the other thing you've got speedways and you've got super speedways. So mm-hmm. what's the difference? <clears throat> so super speedways are two plus miles or above mm-hmm. um, super speedways. I'm gonna get, so that's super speedways, two plus, two plus and above. 
Speedways are mile and a half tracks. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. And the other thing that I've noticed Short is tracks that are there's... Point five, and oh, then I'm road sorry, courses sorry. are however big they are. Mm-hmm. No, so like road courses are however large they are. But they just... Okay. Uh-oh. So the other thing I've noticed... Oh, well, I think we're off. <laughs> um, the other thing I noticed is that there's the... Uh, restrictor plate things so what what is that <laughs> well restrictor plates has been been done away with so uh restrictor plates are for super speedways it's a plate with about it's like a steel plate with about like three holes in it and they put that over the carburetor to restrict airflow to the engine mm-hmm. okay. so for instance back in the day these cars could reach up to speeds of 220 miles an hour that is extremely fast at these racetracks. They would fly off the racetrack. So they will put the restrictor plate on them to um, to constrict the airflow to the engine. And it would, you know, restrict their speeds down back down to 200, probably 205, um, just to make it more safer. So they actually were able to reconfigure the engines to the point to where that, that they can control how much horsepower that they want the, the engines to have now. Okay, okay. But but back in the day, restricted plates were were very fun. You would see two cars link up and they will be gone. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> it, it was it was it was very fun. But now it is more more uh, more competitive. The cars are more stacked up. It's more harder to pass. You have to rely on aerodynamics to uh, get past another car and stuff like that. Yeah, because you have to get like in that that slipstream or I forget mm-hmm. the term like to so, kind of give you a little so, a little push. Front and back is is a draft. Um, the draft you can actually do when you're driving on the highway. If you just get behind a 18 wheeler and you feel the air kind of push your car around, that's that's essentially the draft. Um, it's pretty much creating an air pocket to where there's no downforce on your hood to where you can actually move faster. Um, also, with that, you're burning less gas as well too. So, um, if you are taking a trip down south, I do recommend following behind an 18 wheeler for a Good, good amount of bit. Um, but that was what was with the restrictor plates. Um, now, without the restrictor plates, you now have something called side drafting. So a car will get down on the back fender on another car, and that will disturb the air on the passing car to slow them down and slingshot you passing. So little, 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 little NASCAR nerdness, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's all good. It's like I finally found a reason to use all that physics I took in college. Yeah. So here we go. So I can actually right. apply it in real life. Holy shit. You know? There we go. <laughs> um, um, and also, I was reading about there are some new safety guidelines in NASCAR. So there was a, a driver who was in a really bad wreck last year and they changed the guidelines. Do you mind kind of giving me a little on that? So after every crash, NASCAR tries to figure out it the sport is very um it's not proactive when it comes to crash it's very reactive so when a crash happens they'll take the car they'll take the person's helmet and then they'll definitely um give it the science and try to figure out what they can do to prevent that from happening again um over the course of the years I don't know if you see when a car turns around and gets and goes backwards down the track you'll see roof flaps pop up you'll see flaps on the hood pop up that'll help the car from going airborne. Um, there has been some horrific crashes, crashes back in the day where cars would get airborne when they turn around just because the car was designed to run into air, not go backwards in air. Mm-hmm. Um, 
some of the um, the driver's seats, they've gotten even more tighter. They look like they're literally in a cocoon, but um, it's made out of like um, space quality air foam and all that stuff. So it con contorts to their body. Um, it absorbs, absorbs the shock on impact and stuff like that. Um, the drivers are trained when they run into a wall, they let go of the steering wheel because the shock of the steering wheel could snap their wrist, things like that. Um, they're, um, they've always been progressive on helmets. I mean, they used to race with open face helmets back in the day. Now they're racing closed face helmets and their helmets change every year. You know, the, the sport actually, they recommend like what they're more progressive than the NFL when it comes to helmets. Just because of the, the, the imagine the that, you know, like, hey, you know, <laughs> um, and stuff like that. Um, the one big, big thing in NASCAR is the Hans device, which yes. is a, a neck show. Um, mm -hmm. person who brought that out into fruition because a lot, even in IndyCar and F1, they were right. Hans devices as well, too. Mm -hmm. Dale Earnhardt Jr., Dale Earnhardt Jr. helped bring that device out due to his father's death. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because okay. studies show that the force of impact um, or the whiplash, if you will, yoked se seniors neck so hard. And the Hans device wow. now keeps your, 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 your head in, intact. So mm -hmm. if you do get yoked around and all that stuff, your spine is still straight. So you don't accidentally snap your neck. You know what I mean? Um, so the sport is very, very, very big on safety um they've implemented safer barrier walls um which is mandated so like back in the day you know drivers used to hit the wall that was straight cement or straight concrete you know and that's even even more of a shock um now it's made out of like some type of soft memory foam to where it absorbs the shock so the the car doesn't get that much damage compared to what they used to do back in the day um right. even going down to the pit crew and all that stuff like there's just all the sport finds everything to do, do to be safe. Um, the guy who won the uh, Daytona 500 about four or five years ago, he barrel rode his car like six times mm -hmm. and was able to walk away. So mm -hmm. just, just saying, it's just a, a whole, whole bunch of stuff. Um, I'm just trying to think of one more last year, Ryan Newman, I think, think I know you're talking about the crash. He got hit on a driver's side door um, going on the last lap of the Daytona 500. His car flipped went to the hospital, was in a medically induced coma, woke up and walk out the next day, like two days later. Um, <laughs> it just goes to the roll cages, the science, um, studies, everything to make these cars extremely safe. And I think that's what makes more people or makes drivers want to get back into the car because they know like these cars, like that car saved my life. Awesome. Awesome. I mean, but like I said, it, it's just the, the science that we know and that we study is so key to this and especially when you have people who do this every day that is their job mm -hmm. to ensure that these guys you know even if they are in a crash they can either walk away from it or maybe if they need medical attention they can go back home to uh to their families and and that is what you want to happen uh, uh, in in these situations here all right so i'm gonna put you on the spot here prediction time all right so I need, first of all, two names who have the ability or the possibility to be the champion at the end of the season. Give me two names, first of all. One name is Kevin Harvick, my guy. Okay. 
Okay. Um, reason being, he won. He was supposed to win last year. He won nine races, which was the most. And he got into a lot of trouble on the track on uh, during the playoffs. So he, he's on a run to do it again. Um, second name. You can never count out Kyle Busch. I can't stand mm. him. I hate him as a driver. He's, he's talented. He's talented. Uh, I'll give him that. Is, is, is he kind of like Kyle Busch? Is he kind of like Tony Stewart was like 15 years ago? <laughs> he was he was always good but on the telling of, of junior's career they were in a race at richmond junior was leading the race and kyle bush intentionally spun him out and he's been the devil ever since <laughs> oh, so, oh wow uh, yeah. all anybody that that's a junior fan they know like we do not root for kyle bush till this day and he's won two championships prior he wins a lot of races but you know i can never count him out right right i mean I mean, hey, he, he sounds like a terrible person. <laughs> All right. So the second part of the prediction, give me one sleeper. Um, sleeper. Sleeper, sleeper, sleeper. Well, one just won the Daytona 500 and one just won last week's race. Um, or give me two. What, I mean, who, who, who do you think are sleepers? Guys who they're sneaking around the chicken coop, they might sneak up on you later and could win this thing um as far as the championship is, is goes yes win championship yes sir i will give you alex bowman who drives jimmy johnson's car now the, the number 48 um hendrick motorsports is like the new england patriots of, of nascar their equipment is always good one of their cars is always pretty much there towards the end and um he, he's he's a he's a good driver so I, I will i will definitely call him the sleeper okay excellent excellent all right man uh, well hey that is all i got on the nascar thing but i mean this this has been very interesting very informative man i really appreciate this but before you go you did and i remembered this but you reminded me um you're a dallas cowboys fan i am um so Tell me, what is wrong? What is up with your team? What is wrong? What is happening? So to piss off a lot of your listeners, DC stands for Dallas Cowboys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, look, this is a, now. Look, I am in the DMV. Now let, let's not get that twisted. However, I, I don't know if all my listeners are Dallas Cowboys fans. I mean, for some mm-hmm. reason, I think what uh, I know. I feel like I think Ohio is one of the uh, from my my. Uh, my data, I think Ohio is one of my biggest areas where I get listening. So I'm sure they are not uh, yeah. Washington football team fans. Now, I, the full disclosure here, I am a, a fan of the Washington football team. Uh, well, honestly, I have not really partaken in the NFL in a number of years. Um, as I don't watch games. I kind of just keep up with it kind of on the, yeah. you know, as, as, a, as an observer. But if you're starting to notice, like I am that Cowboy fan, I am that guy that likes to intentionally piss people off. I'll give you another one, and then I'll answer your question. So back in the day when Romo was playing with us for the Washington football team, your previous name, you had a thing called HTTR. Yes. We used to say, hell to Tony Romo. <laughs> <laughs> That's clever. I like that. I like that. That's funny. That one, that, one, that one used to sting back in the day. But, um, oh, to, man. but to answer your question, man, you know, Dak went down and – 
you know, it really showed that he deserved that money because he was the team. Um, <laughs> at, and they had Jason Witten last year. Like, they brought him back out of retirement. Zeke what isn't performing. The offensive line is hurt. Like, there's just all types of things going on. And when I say Jason Witten, like, the year before last. But, um, you know, Dak went down, and it was a very unfortunate injury and all that stuff. I look at his situation almost like Alex Smith now. Like, as a Cowboy fan, I'm like, yes, Dak deserves to be paid, but it's like if we invest all this money into him and he doesn't really, you know, perform, what do we do? You know? Um, Because, like, with Alex Smith, you saw him, like, he was a little gun shy. Like, he would get the ball out extremely quick. If he couldn't get, get the ball out in three seconds or less, you know, he's throwing it away or he's sliding or doing whatever. And I don't want Dak to be like that um, because, you know, with me with Dallas, like our offensive line is always great and it's not. Like we got to start going into drafting and all that stuff. The mm-hmm. defensive side of the ball, we don't pay to all these players and ain't nobody stepping up. Like who, 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 who is Tank Johnson? Like who, who, who is he? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. like who is he? We paid him all this money. He bought himself a chain and he ain't doing nothing. Um, you know, uh, what's his name? Um, the lone wolf, um, drawing a blank on his name, um, yeah. linebacker yeah. number 55. He's another Sean Lee. He's injury prone. You know, it's like, what are we doing? But, you know, um, at the end of the day, all this stuff aside as a Cowboy fan, yes, we are going to the Super Bowl next year and that's just the way it's <laughs> going to be. <laughs> I mean, I like the confidence. I love the confidence. Um, but how about this? I couldn't, and, and kind of in thinking about this, um, I kind of wrote myself a note to ask this, but I don't know where they're drafting. Do you know where they're drafting this this year and when the draft is coming up? Know how many picks they have? Um, first round, probably maybe one. Um, I don't, I really, I can't tell you off the top of my head. To be honest with you, me as a football fan, I do not pay attention to the draft un- until the, the player is drafted and then I start looking into them. So right. I'm, I'm more so in the NASCAR. <laughs> right. Yeah, because right now it's, it's off season. I mean, yeah. just to be real with you, I, and I ranted about this on one of my last episodes, I'm going, the NFL draft is, I, I, the, when I used to watch it, they literally spend 15 minutes, you hear the talking heads yapping, mm-hmm. and then 15 minutes later, oh, here's the first pick. Everybody in America knows, knows who the first pick is. We already know. Yeah. Why are we why are we wasting this time? We could, you know, keep this moving. The NFL yeah. draft takes forever. I'd rather watch the NBA draft because they get on to it. They three minutes in, you get what five minutes, three minutes in. Okay, we know who you're picking. Alvin Silver, get your ass up there. You know what I'm yeah, saying? You know, like come on now. Um, but how about this? Um if you had to um go out there and you know, if you're the GM, where where you start to kind of get this team kind of back where you need to go. If it's a first round, if it's a first round pick, I would probably start O line. But if we can't go O line, I, w- I would definitely snag a quarterback. Um, you know, if you ask me right now, do we keep Dak? I say no, just because of the fact of I don't want to sit here and pay him all this money, and then now he's gun shy like like Alex Smith because it's a thing. It's it's not the exact same injury but they're damn near close. They're similar, you know, and I think that's a very gruesome and bad injury to bounce back from and to be in a, in a position where, you know, like Dak will never be a mobile quarterback again, you know, like he's can, can consider, consider that done. 
So do we look for his replacement? Yes. Do we either trade away for it? If we trade away for it, then in a draft, yes, we definitely go O-line or we got to go defensive back somehow, some way. Yeah, because it seems like in this first round, there's like a lot of uh, there's a lot of good quarterbacks that are available. I mean, obviously, you know, Trevor Lawrence, he's definitely first pick, you know, oh, yeah. uh, the Jaguars got him. He's good. Yeah. But there are other guys who – um, like, for example, uh, people talking about Justin Fields. Um, there's uh, Zach, uh, was it Zach Wilson from BYU? Which mm-hmm. I think he's very, he's very underrated. I mean, considering how short the season was and, you know, BYU is one that you typically a power out West and them having to play out of conference. I think they are in the Mountain West Conference, if I recall correctly. Um, you know, he, I, he got some exposure. Uh, I mean, they obliterated Navy first game out. They had a really good game with Coastal Carolina. That game was fantastic. It yeah. went down to the last freaking play. Yeah. But I mean, he could he can ball out for sure. So, I mean, there's definitely the pickings at quarterback for sure in that first round. And then, of course, you know, you always going to get offensive linemen. You're always going to get a DB, whatever. But, yeah, that, yeah, it's definitely a lot of players out there. But, but, but again – the other piece of it is everybody always wants to make a deal. And, you know, with the NFL draft looming, um, obviously there's going to be a lot of deals made uh, to kind of folks to move up. So, I mean, I know that this is just the beginning with the combine uh, being in a, in pandemic mode right now, they're making their, 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 their looks and their changes and stuff like that. So, yeah. Okay. I kind of wanted to get your feel on that because I mean, if, 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 if I had it my way, we we go after uh, Russell Wilson. You know what I mean? I, I can't <laughs> I can't stand Russell Wilson as a Seattle Seahawk, but if he's got that star on the side of his helmet, my God! <laughs> right, 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 right. So one more question about uh, the Cowboys. So um, one thing I one thing I can admire about the Cowboys, at least so, somewhat, is Jerry Jones. Now here's the thing. Hear me out. Um, the one thing you know. You, all the politics and everything else outstanding. The man's got money and he knows football. That's the one thing I will give him credit for. He knows how to evaluate talent because conversely here, the Washington football team, the owner has finally figured out that number one, he doesn't know a damn thing. Number two, you know, why don't I run this team like any other team and go get a vice president and a GM, which he has been sorely lacking for years instead of running the guy away. You know what I'm saying? So that's the one thing I really can respect about uh, the Cowboys and as far as Jerry Jones. Now, everything else, eh, you know. (laughs) Okay, so I'll I'll break that down for you, right? Because, like, you know, us as Cowboy fans, we do have a love-hate relationship with Jerry Jones. Um as of right now, like Jerry Jones is a, he can market the team. Like he can sell the dream. He can, you know, make the Dallas Cowboys name a household item for you. And, you know, he can make some money off that logo, but his son, Steven Jones, ever since he's coming, come into play, he's in his dad's ear about personnel and like whom we should be drafting, whom we should be signing. Because there was a point in time where it was going to be for sure that, Jerry Jones is going to get Johnny Manziel. And mm. thank God Stephen Jones said, hey, well, let's not do that. Let's go get somebody else, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, like, Dad, you, you tripping. Like, hold on now. So I, I, I more so want to give praise to Stephen Jones, and hopefully when he, um, you know, if he can move up in the ranks and all that stuff, and, you know, Jerry just wants to be an owner and be GM, which will never happen. 
you know, hopefully Steven can 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 take take those reins. Well, that's yeah another example of so there's a, a local uh, journalist. His name's Chuck Modiano. So shout out to Chuck Modiano, and uh, I, I follow him on my other Twitter account, and he's uh, he appears regularly on a show that uh, comes on uh, on uh, WPFW with uh, another local writer, Dave Zirin, and they talk about sports and politics. And Chuck Modiano refers to the NFL as the nepotism football league, and that is a perfect example, yeah. one of a thousand examples of you know, kind of one reason why I'm not a big NFL. I don't subscribe to the NFL as much outside mm. of, you know, cap situation and all that, you know, it, it's very much a, uh, a good old boys kind of situation. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's, it's, it's terrible, but yeah, but that is nepotism at is pure in its most purest sense. Uh, I agree. So, okay, man, that's good, good stuff, man. So I didn't ask you when we started, man, what beer are you drinking tonight? Oh, um, so I have a draft system in my house. So on tap, I have. Wait, wait, wait. You have a draft system in your house? Hashtag beer god, my guy. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh I'm jealous. I'm so yeah. jealous. Okay. Well, you know, when, when we when we get off offline, you know, we got to link up. I got to get you down here so I, I can spread the love. But yeah, man, um, right now I am drinking the uh, Trogues Perpetual IPA. Um, mm-hmm. really, really good beers, about 7.5% ABV. Um, hello, mm-hmm. not one of these new England fruitier IPAs, just a traditional West coast IPA, you know, just something to just sit back and unwind after, you know, nice, long, hard day at work. Awesome. 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 And the bourbon bourbon is the, uh, I'm drinking uncle nearest. So yeah, man. So, um, I got a brand new, well, not brand new. I got a used iMac today. My, my brother-in-law helped me to get it. And, uh, I, he's like, look, man, you don't gotta, you know, pay me whatever. And I said, look, man, I got, I'm thinking I got some, so I yeah. got him a nice bottle of, uh, um, is it, um, Bowman? Oh my God. Uh, first, the first name's escaping me. Uh, anyway, it is a bourbon that is aged in port barrels okay. and it is lovely. Nice. So yeah, so I we've had it before, yeah. But um, I I said I gotta get him because I said because I don't remember trying. I was like, okay, well here you go. You can try it again today. You can learn today. Thank you so much. <laughs> oh, man. Well, sir. I mean, thank you so much. This has been fantastic. I've learned a lot. I hope our listeners will thoroughly enjoy this, get a little education on NASCAR, because I, I mean, I, I was going to watch the Daytona 500. I watched the first couple laps. I said, I'm going to come back in a few minutes, and then the, the delay. weather delay hit, and I that, that totally delay. threw life off in our house. That totally Man. threw our whole our, our whole evening off. So, you that, know. That was our Super Bowl. We was prepared. We had a spread. We was ready for it. We was drinking beer. Uh, Big Los from the podcast called me because he was like, hey, man, you waited all year for a five hour rain delay. I said, man, you looking at this wrong. I'm like, this is more opportunity to drink beer. So, like, what are you doing? You know what I mean? But uh, that race didn't end until about 1.30 in the morning. It was a tough day at work the next day, but it was well worth it. So for sure. Right, um, right. I, I implore everybody to at least give NASCAR a try um, or just racing in general. Right. It, there's there's different forms of racing you'll find what you like but like nascar great american race great american uh you know nascar series and all that stuff it was definitely built on the backs of moonshiners and stuff like that and then you know you just you just you just go with it from there so um you know 
they're very informative as well, too. Um, they have shows where they explain certain stuff as well. So if you ever need any help, by all means, you know, I'm just a tweet or a DM away as far as answering questions. All right. All right. So as we finish up, since you mentioned your Twitter, let's hit the list. Give me the social. Brother. All right. So uh, Facebook, Andrew Dill. I'm, I'm never ashamed of that. So by all means, um, like the pickle D-I-L-O. Um, what's that? Instagram, Twitter, um, Django underscore nerd, D-J-N-G-O underscore N-E-R-D. The D is silent. Um, Untapped, which is a, a beer, like four square check-in type thing. I'm on Untapped as well too. Django underscore nerd. Um, I'm always drinking all types of beers and checking them in and going with from there. Um, for the podcast, DNH podcast, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, if you have any uh, questions, concerns, or comments over 140 characters, hit us up at uh, dnhpodcast2019 at gmail.com. All right. Andrew, Drew, thank you, sir. I Sure, man. Really this is fun. This is, this is great. I, I, I really enjoyed this. I, and I was so worried. I, I had my notes written out. And I was like, I don't know if this is where <laughs> I wanted to be. And it... It just flowed, man. So I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that you were uh, that you were say yes to this. Thank you so much, and I hope our our, our listeners enjoyed this, man. I had a yeah, great man. time. When you hit me up, you said, um, you know, I want to bring you on the show to talk about NASCAR, and I replied back saying you had me at NASCAR. So <laughs> I was excited <laughs> for this. So for sure, for sure, I'm, I'm I'm hopeful that that your listeners like it, and um, you know, by all means, this this is great. Your show is great. I'm I'm an avid listener of your show as well too. You got some good stuff going on. So keep up the good work, brother. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. And like I said, I actually started listening to the second episode of y'all's podcast last night. And I was I got a little sleep. I said, well, let me start again tomorrow. So I'm going to try to pick up on that tomorrow and, and finish that up, man. But again, I'm enjoying the third season. You guys, are, as always, you guys are making me think. You guys are saying some good stuff. And awesome. Awesome as always. And I, again, I thank you for coming on the show. and. There you are, ladies and gentlemen, your NASCAR primer. And we are out for episode 59. And we'll see you again very soon for episode 60 of the Sports Wagon Podcast. And you'll get all my particulars at the end, but we'll definitely put all of Drew's particulars in the show notes. And you'll have all that information and you'll know where to find them. So thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Sports Wagon Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and tell a friend about the show. You can also send me a voicemail or send me a message on Twitter or Instagram at It's Uncle Dub. That's I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. Also, please consider supporting the podcast at buymeacoffee.com backslash sports wagon pod. I really appreciate your support. Thank you.